In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my guy Leaf Tulane, we will cover some of the best players in college basketball, but just happen to be born in the wrong era. Stay tuned. Huge, huge shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I try to switch it up. I normally say big, big shout out, but I try to switch it up and be a little bit different. But you get the message. Thank you so much for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies, which is going to be making a comeback soon. And my co-host, Leaf Tulane, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else. And before we get into the show, I want to know, how how are you doing? I know you had a little bout with COVID, which has probably made you even more knowledgeable about college basketball because you've probably been watching ridiculous hours of film. But how are you How are you feeling overall? Uh, I'm feeling well. I'm, I'm I'm past COVID and back on my feet. Went to work uh, the last two days and and got to play some hoops. So I'm I'm feeling well. But yes, that uh, those eight eight days of isolation, I watched uh, copious amounts of basketball that that bordered on too much for even me. Um, but but I'm happy to be having a more balanced lifestyle now. Yeah, I, I had it, but I had mentioned before my symptoms were weak. It just felt like a cold. I didn't. And I didn't even know I had it. Only reason I found out is because my son had a fever. We took him and he had COVID. But thankfully, mine was weak. And I've been dodging it for years. I mean, I was actually in China when it first kicked off. And I was able to go almost three years without it. But I'm glad you're okay. Glad you are back on your feet. And glad you actually probably had the time that you probably wanted to just sit back and do nothing but watch college basketball because I know that's your thing. All right, so this show is about guys that you may like or you may not necessarily like them, but you feel like they were just born in the wrong era. Every year there are guys, especially now, and it's mostly bigs. Maybe, I don't know, maybe like some point guards that that you know that would have been like really good game managers back in the the 80s or even maybe some some like wing players that have a a game that's heavily based off of like isolation and scoring in the mid range or mid post or whatever. So, I mean, we can leave it open to bigs or, or even wing players, but name some guys that you feel like if this were the 2013 or even 2003 draft would be more value than they are today because the game has changed. Who's the first yeah, guy that comes to mind? I think you got to start with uh, a guy like Zach Eady, who's likely going to win the national player of the year in college basketball. And he's doing it by dominating on the interior. And he's, he's got the back to the basket game. He's got good touch. He hits free throws at a high rate and does a lot of things that were highly coveted in that about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And when, when the best commodity you could get at that point was, was get a big man who can anchor your middle by being a shot blocking present presence and be one of your focal points of your offense. Um, honestly, this sounds a little silly, but he kind of reminds me of Yao Ming, but playing college basketball as opposed to the, in the NBA. Um, so I think he's the natural one that my mind jumps to as someone that's just in the wrong era because 
in in a game that's so derived right now on space and pace uh he he doesn't fit the space and pace he he's kind of fits the lumber and bully uh mold from years and years ago and um i hope he finds a role because he's a really good kid by all accounts and he's an awesome player to watch it's just you don't see too many seven four guys playing in the nba these days yeah you know honestly his dominance this year is not surprising because if you look at the numbers that he put up last year in the limited minutes he's really doing what he would have done last year if he played more minutes. I remember my first time seeing him play was his freshman year against Miami. And I was like, yo, this dude is going to be really good. But he was obviously in the shadows of uh, uh, Trevion Williams. But yeah, he's probably the first, if not the second guy that comes to mind. I just hate that he was born at the wrong time. I mean, probably up until I don't know, maybe 2000, I don't even want to name a year, but the majority of NBA history, he's probably a lottery pick. <laughs> the majority of, of um, you know, the history of the NBA draft. And unfortunately, like you said, he doesn't, he doesn't fit. Now, do you think that the game will ever kind of go back to traditional back to the basket centers that don't necessarily have the footwork to like defend in space the logic would dictate yes that that when when something ebbs someone else has to flow and and some of the counters to small ball is going bigger and you're seeing some of these like bigger wings trying to dominate the league after an element of small ball where the tallest player on the court is six seven um, but that said, I feel like the evolution of the game has differed. It's become length on the wings has been prioritized and versatility is prioritized, whereas Zach Eady's skill is is undeniable for his size, but it, it, his biggest asset is his size. And most of these players these days can't really rely on positional size to be their only scoring thing. They can have it be a defensive tool. Um, so I, I, I think that it's, it's possible, but I lean toward no, that, that it become it, it goes back to back to the basket basketball. I think the three point shots really just created this revolution, um, both in terms of gameplay and analytics have, has, have derived that gameplay dictates shooting more threes and layups and threes and no mid range game. And so a lot of these guys that we consider tweeners, like for, uh, forwards that shoot mid rangers or back to the basket bigs have been kind of kicked out of the league, so to speak. And, and even some of the more dominant post players, for instance, Boogie Cousins went through some injuries and he was an awesome dominant bit post player through the early part of this decade, had some injuries, figured out, you know what, the, the, his best asset after that was three-point shooting. He couldn't really defend, couldn't defend in space. And so he decided, well, I'm going to shoot. And that talks to me about how, how much the game has changed. If someone who was the bet, arguably in those early 2012 to 15 years, the best back to the basket big in the in the NBA has decided I'm only going to shoot threes. I think that kind of dictates what's the NBA is looking for these days. Yeah, man, he was, man, he was so good. It's unfortunate that down the line, people are going to look at his stats and see that he really just kind of had a small window. Like he's, in my opinion, a hall of fame talent, just the game changed and the injuries just, I mean, it, it really just made a huge difference in his career. I mean, another guy that comes to mind, not the same 
not the same production, but I, I thought Jaleel Okafor, I thought the game, him and Enos Cantor are, are my two go-to guys when I think of the game literally changed before they hit their prime. And, I mean, Cantor stayed around longer than than Okafor. I mean, you could make a case and say Cantor would probably still be in the NBA if it wasn't for some of the, you know, just the off-the-court off the court stuff and strong opinions and, and takes. Um, you definitely can't be going at LeBron all the time on social media and, and, and going after China. But anyway, here's a question for you. And and I know somebody's going to probably ask this question. What is the difference between Boban and Edie? Edie's best trait is being the scorer on a team. And I don't think he can be a scorer in the NBA. Um, Boban is a team player that is a lob threat and that's not to say Edie can't be a lob threat but you don't really put him in the dunker spot and just have him set screens and and, and slip to the basket um he's he's more pred- his game's more predicated on being on the low block and being a focal point of an offense so it's just role acceptance and that's not to say he couldn't do it but I just think that that's not what you're drafting him to be and obviously Boban if you're comparing Zach Eady, he's going to be national player of the year to Boban Marjanovic, who's riding the pie and a um, great character guy and everyone loves him. And he's a well-known player, but not for his basketball um, game right now. Like he, he's, he's riding the pie and he comes in and he's beloved and rightfully so. But it, if you're drafting, you're not going to draft for someone being beloved. You're drafting for them to make an impact. And he's a low impact player. And Edie's game is predicated on being a high impact player. Would you take Edie in the late second round? Maybe. I mean, it really just depends who's available, what you got, what you're trying to make out of it. I, I think there's a, a world where he gets picked in the in the 50s. Um, I, I, I won't say exactly which team should pick him or anything like that, but I can make a case for that. He's, his production is just really impressive and, and maybe, like you said, when when there's ebbs, there's there's flows, and maybe he he's a counter to zigging and zagging. You know what I mean? Never had zigging, zagging, ebbs and flows on this podcast before. I I think that he is one of the guys that is going to be impacted by this year's draft, which is going to be missing a couple picks. All yeah. right. When we return, we'll talk about a few other guys that were just born in the wrong era. But let's talk about Rocket Money. Rocket Money has saved me money, and I actually need to call them or have them do the research tomorrow because my cable bill is too high. But Rocket Money, it was formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about like the streaming service you bought and watched this one show on or that free trial that you never used, Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. For example, I paid for a subscription because I wanted to watch a boxing match, totally forgot about it. I went to Rocket Money, canceled it, and they actually sent me an email letting me know that it was canceled and saved me like 20 bucks a month. Now, Rocket Money also makes the subscriptions easy. Like I said, with just a click of the button, simply find the subscription you do not want, press cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with the customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, and they have saved 
the average person $720 a year. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. That is rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Once again, this is the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is your host, Rafael Barlow, the director scouting for NBA Big Board. And Leaf Tuline watches a lot of college basketball. So who else is on your list of guys that were born in the wrong era? Yeah, I'll just kind of start with saying some prominent college basketball players that are, you know, the headliners for this year that I think have because of their position and the era now that makes it hard for them to make an impact in the NBA. So one would be uh, Drew Timmy, who's been, we've been talking about, will he declare uh, last year? He waited till the very end and decided to come back to Gonzaga and he's clearly worked on some things. He's kind of started attacking off the dribble from the top of the key. Um, he's obviously still working well in the low post. Another one's Hunter Dickinson. Um, there, there's a lot of these bigs that are traditional back to the basket bigs who have an ability to step out and shoot it a bit, but they're not stretch fives to the NBA caliber. Um, and so I think they'll be negatively impacted by the way the NBA is moving right now, where you either have to be a drop big and, and someone in this class that could, could potentially feel like a drop big role would be someone like Daron Holmes or Derek Lively or someone like that who can adapt and play a drop big, a lob threat. Whereas these guys aren't necessarily the vertical athletes to fulfill that role. And they're more, um, reliant on getting the ball in positions to score and i think i think their lack of defensive arsenal is really what uh, makes it very difficult for them and like i mentioned with Edie, i don't think their role is going to be the prominent score or creator much like an exception to this whole talk is alperin shangun he's someone who can pass the ball um, and create and he's also got full like flawless footwork timmy's got great footwork he's often lauded for it but I just don't think he's quite got the creation ability that Shangun has. And I'd argue that Shangun's a better defender than Timmy coming into the NBA. That is. And Shangun is still only, only 20. So he's, he's younger. He's younger than Drew. Do you think that, that there is a, a role or, or spot in the NBA for Drew? Maybe Uh, he's, he's got, he's a little more nimble than Zach Eady or Hunter Dickinson. Um, I don't buy him as a switching defender and he's not as big as them. So his, his like drop coverage rim protection itself isn't as good, but I think he's got the most capacity to step out, shoot the ball. And he's the most versatile scorer of that bunch. He's able to drive and, and have, have footwork running, um, like running through the paint. He's able to create and pass the ball. It would have to be a specialized bench role, but, I, but I'm not going to rule out because his skill level is very, very high. And I think there's a possibility he could impress in limited minutes and stick around for a bit um, just off grit and, and kind of guile. All right. Who's next on your list? Yeah. So those are the main ones. Uh, another prominent big guy. I mean, Adama Sanogo, Azulis Tubelas, Oscar Shibway jump out to me and I'll, I'll put those three in a trio. I think they're all different for different reasons. Uh, Tubelas runs the floor very well for an Arizona team but I don't think he's going to stand out against NBA athletes. And he, he often plays with a guy named Umar Balo and he plays the four in the NBA. He's going to have to play a five. And I don't think he's a five defensively and offensively. I think his advantage is he creates it by being a four, but getting negated. 
Oscar Shibwe's issue for is his, he'll become a bit undersized and his level of strength and um, athleticism that's such an advantage for him in college becomes negated by the level of athleticism and size in the NBA of true centers. And then the third one, Adama Sanogo, he's a bit undersized for the center in college basketball. And I, I think that we've discussed this Donovan Klingon, his backup is the better NBA prospect because he's bigger and he fits more of a prototypical drop coverage, big, who's got ability to put the ball in the basket similar, whereas Sonogo is more of a bull in the China shop, jostle you for position, pump fake and finishes around the basket very well. But you don't have, you don't see too many six, eight centers um, that are not defensive specimens in the NBA um, that are true back to the basket bigs. Yeah, that's, I mean, and it's just unfortunate for some of these guys. Did you see uh, Calipari made a, a comment, and I saw it on Twitter. Can't verify it about uh, Shibwe not being in the gym this year and something about I, his conditioning. I did see that. I, I don't know what to make of that. I think it can be used as a motivation tool. I don't really yeah. like outing your star player, though. And um, Kentucky hasn't been great, but the fact that he did that after a big win in uh, Knoxville was very interesting after they beat Tennessee. Um, and the interesting thing is uh, if you're going to out a player, um, Shibway, you know, didn't have an amazing game in that game by any means, but severe Wheeler didn't play and they won I, coincidence. I think not, but he chose to out, he chose to out Oscar Shibway. And I wonder, I wonder if that's a, a bit of motivation and they kind of talked it over because it seems like ironic timing. Yeah. I had a friend that played for Cal and he said that they called it like poking the bear. Like he, he, he my friend told me he didn't necessarily do it to him and some of the other players on the team publicly but he said he always did it in practice when NBA scouts were there and it was kind of like it always fired him up because they the players either were like mad at him or just were like okay just I gotta prove him wrong to all these scouts at, at practice but he said it was always like a a motivational tactic and so for a guy like Sheboy his literally his whole game is just based off of his motor and his relentless energy and rebounding. And so it's kind of like, if you're saying he's not in shape or, or not working out, that's kind of like a hint to rev your, your motor up a little bit more. Now, is there somebody that is not necessarily a five that you think whose game doesn't fit? I know there were a lot of questions last year about johnny davis and how his game fits the modern the words game. right out of my mouth that was that was my <laughs> whole claim last year yeah <laughs> so um you know for for that group that that was like their their biggest knock against him you can you have a strong case right now to say that 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 you were correct very you know still very early he can still develop but he has definitely i mean he struggled in summer league and he's playing in the G League, not necessarily lighting the G League up last time I looked. And we've seen some crazy scoring numbers in the G League, like Ty Ty Washington had 53 a couple of days ago. But is there any wings in, in this year's in this year's projected draft that whose game may not be the perfect fit for the modern era? I have two guys that at different points in their career could have been considered based off high school accolades and early production first round picks, but now are firmly in the second round that I think it's because of the evolution of the game and their shooting splits that have, have dropped them. And that one would be Keontae Johnson, obviously the health scare um, certainly contributed, 
But when he returned to Florida, there was a question about, okay, can he shoot the three? And then he got, uh, he collapsed on the court and thank goodness he's playing basketball again. He's spearheading an attack for Kansas state. That's really been one of the surprise teams in college basketball, but his game is derived off physicality. He's a six, six, very strong, about 23 years old, dominates physically to score in the mid range. And the other is Harrison Ingram, Harrison Ingram, is a, his best asset right now is positional size. He's really struggled to shoot the ball and he's rebounding the ball well, but he's not using his size to facilitate. He's not using his size to score. And there were times last year where he had takeover moments for Stanford and, and he played well against good competition. When they played Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament, he and Spencer Jones propelled Stanford within, I wouldn't say inches, but close to beating Arizona, who was the number one seed and ended up winning that Pac-12 tournament with Benedict Mather and with uh, Dalen Terry. And he, he didn't go head to head necessarily. Like he couldn't match the production of Benedict Matherin, but he was very good in that game. And now he's just really struggling. Um, and I think the NBA really um, it maximizes the areas he struggles. Um, he, he does not shoot well off the catch and he does not drive very quickly. He's very slow and the only there's only a few players that match that and they have superior guile and intellect and have unique skills like an, an, an example that would have been joe ingles or kyle anderson and there are very few of those type of players so i think those two guys keontae johnson and harrison ingram are two that i think are being weaseled out a little bit um for their traits not matching up exactly how the nba is trending yeah, Ingram's going to have a, a big decision to make once the season is over. He tested the waters last year and um, decided to come back to school. I think you only get three chances to do that. You, know, you look at Stanford, they're probably not going to be a tournament team. Tough decision. All right, when we return, we'll talk about a few more players that we just think were born in the wrong era. But BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season, which is over, to basketball to World Cup. I mean, it doesn't matter the season. BetOnline has you covered. And if you like sports podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline. It is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. That's because Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, last segment. So we've covered Edie, we've covered Shibwe, uh, we've talked about Timmy. You mentioned Keontae Johnson, Harrison Ingram. Is there another wing, or, or even like shooting guards or point guards that that make your list? I didn't think about this uh, until this very moment. So this one I haven't had thought out as well as the others I had notes on, but uh, Arthur Kaluma is one that I think has a difficult time transitioning to the NBA because his, his game is mid range dependent and physicality dependent. And I don't think he's, he's a very good athlete, but he's a very good college athlete. He's not a, a guy that stands out to me as a, a one percenter or even a 10 percenter in the NBA, which he is in college basketball, uh, combining his size, speed and finishing ability. I don't think he's going to be able to slash the way he can in college in the NBA. And I don't foresee him becoming an above average three point shooter. Uh, he is. I think he can be a good defender, but I don't think he can be a good enough defender to make up for the lack of um, scoring and three point shooting. I think one like uh, 
the archetype he'd want to follow, and this is off the top of the head, so I, I forgive me if it's it's a little off, but it would be like Tory Craig. But I don't think he's as good a defender as someone like Tory Craig is. And Tory Craig knows his role to a T. And Kaluma, um, I mean, obviously he can adjust, and that's what the NBA is. Everyone is a is a better college player than they are in the NBA, or, or most almost everyone, I should say. Um, but I, I, he'd be one that I, I have questions about the way he transitions. And if the, if we talk about a guard, I think someone like Caleb Love, um, I, I was kind of out on him uh, to begin this season. He can score the basketball, but he's so incredibly streaky, and his 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 whole um, his his whole appeal. And, and this is one I don't particularly subscribe to. Is he's a microwave scorer? But that said, he's not a very good defender, and he's not a good passer. If he's off, he's not very good. And I don't think he's got the traits to be an NBA scorer. Um, because even this year at Carolina, he's had games where he's been neutralized as a junior. And I think they're less explicable, um, or I should say they're less inexplicable. And now they're more easily explained than, than when he was shut down as a sophomore, where you could be like, oh, you know what? He's, a, he's young and he's, and he's taking bad shots. I don't think his shot selections improve. And I don't think he's necessarily going to adapt his game as well as some can. Yeah, I don't think his shot selection will improve because – he is it's hard it's it's crazy to say he is who he is but he is wired to score he is wired as this guy that just has this this confidence that is it doesn't matter he can miss 10 shots in a row and he is not bothered by by missing but when he's on he can be one of the best players in the country when he's on, but when he's off, he'll win. He'll win you a few games, but he'll shoot you out of a of more than the the ones he wins. You in my opinion, and that's the knock on him. I, I will say this in defense of Caleb Love, he made big improvements from freshman to sophomore. And but his leap from sophomore to junior, to junior hasn't been substantial. Yeah. And you know it's. And I can say the same for Kaluma in a sense. His leap from freshman to sophomore. Hasn't been substantial. Creighton, on paper, they're a lot. They're loaded. Bringing Shireman, bringing in Shireman, and all that. They have a lot of talent. They don't have a lot of depth. But Kaluma hasn't made the jump that many people, including myself, expected. I actually got on a Creighton sweatshirt, <laughs> and it, it almost makes me wonder: like, did he make the mistake of coming back? I mean, that Kansas game. You know, you can fool some teams and, and scout sometimes by having a great last impression. And he had a great game in the NCAA tournament against Kansas. And then maybe he has some good workouts, you know, along the way and ends up being a second round pick because they saw the upside because he was only a freshman. Now I think he is, he is a guy that could potentially go undrafted if he were to, if, I mean, I mean, there's still time left in the season, but yeah, the jump, I think his points have went up too. He's made improvements. The minutes have went up a little bit, but they're not significant enough. Like I'll be honest. At one point I had him in like my top 20 coming into the season. Here, here's one for you. Ricky council. I think Ricky council would be like your, you know, your guaranteed first round pick two guard in 1998 athletic 
he can get to his spots, but he's heavily reliant on mid-range and is not the best, you know, playing off the catch. What are your thoughts on, on Ricky Council? Yeah, that, that would be one that I, I agree with, uh, that assessment. He's someone that I've got in like kind of my mid, my mid-second right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it really just depends how he translates shooting the ball. Um, yeah. Right now, Arkansas is putrid shooting the ball from beyond the arc. They, they can't they can't buy a bucket from distance, um, even though they crash into the paint and get good looks. It's just teams leave them open and they're that's the right strategy right now. Um, so I'd like to see how he does in workouts, the star drill, just see how he shoots the ball. But based off what I've seen. Um, and without those workouts, in, in, in my knowledge, I agree with you. I think he's someone that fits the ilk of how I saw Johnny Davis coming in this past year, where there's only one score in the NBA that is of that same size that scores predominantly in the mid-range. And that's DeMar DeRozan. Those don't grow on trees. And he's also a ball dominant guy. Um, obviously, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen for Arkansas. Um, a few of them have been kicked out, kicked, relegated to sous chef duty, or, aka being injured. But um, they, uh, the Arkansas is is a weird situation but i think it makes them isolation dependent and if he's isolation dependent and doesn't shoot well off the catch i agree with that one and i I think that's one i should should have had on my list coming into this all right last one hunter dickinson from michigan he is a guy that i think would be a really good i think he'd be a starting center in 2003 maybe even 2013 and he's not on a lot of boards. He's productive, definitely one of the most skilled and productive bigs in the country. And he's done it, you know, over time. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I briefly alluded to him when I was talking about Timmy as, as someone that can step out and shoot the ball, has shown ability to pass the ball out of the post. He's skilled. But the difference between he and Timmy to me, why Timmy, I think, has a chance to, to crack a rotation is he's, he's a bit more agile. So he can do things going downhill, even though I'd, I'd say Dickinson's the better shooter between those two and he's bigger. I, I just don't see his uh, slow feet and the, in the style of being a, a ball in hand back to the basket, big guy translating to the NBA at any point. I think he can be a dominant big in Europe. I, I just think there's, there's too much space and pace for the way he plays. Even when on Michigan, they, they tend to hedge screens. You can see him sometimes not getting out in time to hedge and he gets like little hip check fouls and he's a very good rebounder. He's got good timing, but he's not much of like a, he blocks a few shots. So I'm not, I'm not going to say he's a horrible, the protector of the rim, but he's not someone that has the, that whole influence around the rim that, you know, they're ground bound like Mark Gasol, but he gets there so rotationally perfect that um that he really impacts your shots so i think his defense is lax a little bit and he's just not quite good enough of a shooter to crack a rotation for me but i do enjoy watching hunter dickinson play and i think he's similar to the way zach Eady's used and he creates a lot of the three-point looks that jet howard and the michigan wolverines get their threes based off passing out of doubles and he's one of the more integral players to his team in college basketball all right very last question who out of the guys that you named will be next year's Kenny Lofton they go undrafted and then they go to the G League and they're like a 20 and 10 threat every night oh man that, that is a really good question I gotta think about the, all the people I named um uh, I'll go with oh this one actually I'm surprising myself a little bit so the the the, the, the scoring I think the best score would be Timmy 
but I'll say the production. I can't see and- Timmy in the G League. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can well, see him I, as like either I'm going to Europe and I'm going to make a lot of money, or or he's like 12th, 15th man. Yeah, but yeah, then again, you know. So the, what I was going to say after that was was that the production in terms of sustainable production, I think Oscar Shibway will be able to rebound. Like that that guy's got a nose for the ball that is undeniable. And if you're able to rebound, you're able to catch some lobs. I think he, he can be a nice 12 and 12 guy. I don't think he's going to be 20 and 10. His scoring, he, he doesn't have the footwork or the, the repertoire down there that Lofton does, but I think people will notice 12 and 12 and he can maybe have a stint such as Kenneth Fareed did as the manimal and just, just rebound, 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 motor, motor, motor. And there might be a spot for him in the NBA after a productive G league stint. Makes sense. All right. Very, very last question. Who wins the rebounding title in college basketball this year? Sheboy or Edie? They're like like half a point. I mean, they're like 13-2 and 13-1 right now. I'll, I'll go with Edie, and that's because he has fewer guys to contend with for rebounds. Uh, Kentucky has more vertical athletes, and he comes out of the game for longer stints than Zach Edie does. Um Though I don't want to bet against Shibway and rebound, so I'm going to go with Edie. But Shibway is undeniable, man. At the rim, he's got a he's got a hunger for that basketball, and it's it's impressive to watch. Yeah, I agree. All right, man, that wraps up another great episode. I always enjoy getting your takes on college basketball, and of course, finding out which new word you're going to throw at us <laughs> with your extensive vocabulary which is awesome because you know your goal is to to do is is it play by play you want to do yeah play by play would be the the long-term goal and you got to have an extensive vocabulary there all right thank you the listener for making the locked on nba big board podcast your first listen of the day now for your second listen check out game to game nba every moment every top performance every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the nba with local analysis that only locked on can deliver follow game to game on the locked on nba channel it is available on the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcast i am rafael barlow he is leaf tuline and we just broke down some guys that we just think were born in the wrong era once again, like I said, it was a great show. Always enjoy talking hoops with Leaf. And we are out. <laughs>